Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So, I for one am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie also from quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or, toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm not Kate Spencer. No, you're Dory Shafrir. I'm Kate Spencer. We're not experts. We are just two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Hello. Hi, Dory. How's it going? Um, It's going well. Yeah? I deleted Facebook off my phone yesterday and I feel amazing slash I'm going through withdrawal. What are your primary uses for Facebook? Um, I'm in a very active mom's Facebook group that I really love that has a lot of spinoff groups that I participate in, including my often mentioned gratitude Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that is, um, actually a really positive side of Facebook for me. If I didn't have like maybe that community in the forever 35 communities, I think I would delete my Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tend to veer into the like, I'm really angry about this thing that's happening in the world. I'm going to rant about it on Facebook. And that is, does not really serve anybody. It doesn't mm. actually make change in the world. And I, in it, I just, 
I had to just get off and taking it off my phone. I, I, I am realizing yesterday and today how often I'm looking at it because I don't have Twitter on my phone anymore. I kind of, right. I kind of, I still have a Twitter account, but I don't go on it. And all I have left in the social world is Instagram. Mm-hmm. But I can just, I do the thing where I like open my phone and I go to go on Facebook without even thinking. Yeah, totally. And that's so screwed up. I don't like that. That's how my brain is operating right now. So you're, you're doing a little detox. Yeah, I am. I think that I need to um, have a little bit of space from Facebook. Not, not even, not that anything bad is happening on Facebook, but just my usage of it. Like in the morning, I'll sit and look at it instead of getting up and like starting my day. Mm. And this morning I like had two minutes looking at my phone and then I was like, well, I'm done. I guess I'll just get out of bed and like start feeding my children, which is what I should be doing. Can I tell you how I manage Facebook? Yeah, I, and I ha- like I love I'm, tips and tricks. And this is just, this is just how, sort of how it works for me. I, you know, this is a real like your mileage may vary kind of situation. First of all, I turned off all my Facebook notifications. Love that suggestion. So I get no notifications from Facebook. I don't even get the little like uh, red circle like telling me that I have things to look at on Facebook. Good. I have to actually go into Facebook and see if anything is going on there. So that eliminates a lot of kind of, you know, like... It's like, uh, what's the word? You know, it's that behavior. It's like Pavlovian. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know? it's the it's the trigger. trigger. Yeah, the, the dopamine, dopamine rush or yeah. something. Yeah. So, so that has been really helpful for me. I also turned off um, all my Twitter notifications. So that has helped. The other thing is, I keep it on like the third screen of my yeah. phone. I don't keep it on the on the on the first um, the first page. So it's not like right there in my face. Um, I also like pretty much stopped posting on Facebook. Oh, that's interesting. And then you aren't really inspired to go. There's no one responding to you. There's no one responding to me. I, you know, I like to, I really love the Forever 35 community. Um, Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure also has a very active community. And I'm, you know, I'm an admin of both of those groups. So I feel like I need to be kind of not posting, but I just need to kind of be aware of what's going on in there. Um, and so I don't look at them constantly, but I look at them a couple times, like a few times a day. Um, but I hardly post. Um, I hardly post on my personal page except to like I promoted a reading I was doing last night with someone. Um, but I never, I never post anything personal. Um, and I also almost never, I never comment on anything. Um, I never comment on anything political. I never comment on anything like that. I, like, oh, if someone's asking for like suggestions of restaurants in, you know, in my neighborhood, I will, I will comment. But that's kind of been the way I've just limited Facebook for me. That's really sounds really healthy. I feel I, your relationship with your phone. I feel like is really healthy. I, oh, I, all, I, I'm, I strive to emulate you, and I haven't, I haven't at all accomplished that. I, I the sad thing for me is that. I actually have all my notifications turned off and I had Facebook on a different screen and I still, I would go in and seek out the notifications. No, I get that. I do that too sometimes. Yeah, okay. Like, I don't know. I think if it's making you feel bad, then change the behavior. I think it is. And I'm, I'm about, I'm tempted to do it with Instagram too, just to get it off my phone. 
the hard thing about Instagram is you can't really check in on a computer. I mean, you can, but it's not the same yeah. user experience. It's, yeah, it's not the same experience. Um, Do you feel like your phone use is like taking you away from other things? Is oh, that totally okay? I would stare at my phone instead of looking at my kids. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You know, problematic. It's funny you say that because this reading I did last night, um, I was interviewing this uh, this friend of mine, Kim Brooks, who just wrote a book called Small Animals: um, Parenthood in the Age of Fear, and she had this woman who came up from UC Irvine, who's a professor there. Um, and her whole thing is that like <laughs> she, she told this anecdote of someone saying to her, Oh my gosh, I can't believe like all these parents are on their phones and not paying attention to their kids. And this professor said, I don't see the problem with that. <laughs> like let I them love play. That. I, I, that <laughs> and I was me... like, yeah, <laughs> I agree with that. My my bigger concern is that I'm modeling behavior for my kids, mm-hmm. um, because it's I'm distracted. Yeah, or they'll be trying to get my attention, and I'm looking at my phone, like that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah. I and I feel ashamed of that, honestly. Um, and I also feel ashamed of how addicted I am to my phone. Yeah. Um, and also that like I don't want to like put it away. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, I know totally. I can hide it. So I'm. There's also a part of me that thinks like one of the reasons people and this applies to parents, but everybody really is like, I'm, I'm tired and stressed. And there's like a, an easy relief mm-hmm. in the phone that is not as easy as like cracking open a book. Like it's just totally so mindless totally that it provides, um, a really easy break. Now I don't, that's for better or for worse, but I know that's part of why I'm into it. So anyway, thank you for listening to me kind of vent about it. I'm, I'm just, um, I don't know. Trying to, trying to get myself back, like be more present. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what? Uh, there's a performative aspect about social media too that just is tiring to me. Totally. Like I just, I just need a break from having to always feel like I'm responsible for for being on on the social yeah. media. That being said, I'm watch me post eight million Instagram stories. <laughs> I love freaking Instagram stories. I know what I mean. It's uh, yeah. I don't know. Like. I- Look, again, if it's making you feel bad, then yes. then that, you know, please, by all means, change the behavior. But I also, I guess I, I personally am a little wary of the kind of the rush to pathologize. Thank you. So, okay. I would say be kinder to yourself. Okay, I'll try. And if, if you like posting Instagram stories, post post Instagram stories. I personally really enjoy your Instagram stories. So many people sent me photos of their pets over the past week. It was so joyful. Like you're actually, I, I personally feel like on on your Instagram, you are putting out a lot of joy and positivity into the world. And I would be really sad if you stopped doing it. So selfishly, I would like you to not go off Instagram, but I also don't want you to feel bad bad about it so i feel torn <laughs> we'll have to keep working on this all right great um but thank you that's i appreciate that i instagram is fun unless i am focusing on on unless there's like a striving element for me where it's like i want those things i want to look like that i want that life i want that ease why mm. why is their living room clean you know that kind of just don't bullshit. follow those people i know i gotta get better about that i'm working on it okay dory yes <laughs> I'm reading our notes. You're on book 12 of Poldark. I sure am. (laughs) 
You know what's funny? I was thinking about this. I am, I'm usually not a completist. Like I'm certainly not a completist with podcasts. Like if I start listening to a podcast, I do not feel the need to go back and listen to the hundred episodes that I've missed. Sure. Yes. Um, however, (laughs) that being said, I am finding, and, and I think I'm only recently discovering this behavior because I have not historically been that into series. Book 12 is far. But now, I mean, I read 14 Maisie Dobbs books. <laughs> I read all of the Crazy Rich Agents trilogy. Oh, you did? <laughs> sure did. I've only read the first. Um, I am finding that with these series, I'm becoming a completist. It's like my version of Netflix binging. But you just started Poldark like less than a month ago, right? Oh, I have just been tearing through these books. I love it. Can you talk a little bit about... How do you, I think like your relationship with your phone is a really good example of how you make time for reading because I, mm. I suspect the times that you're reading are times where I might be on my phone. Well, you talk about how you just kind of carve that out. Sure. In well, again, mm-hmm. not having my phone in my room, in my bedroom is like where it begins. Solves all problems. Because when it's time for me to start going to bed, my phone goes in my office and I trot off to bed and I get in bed and I start reading on my Kindle. Sounds amazing. And that's like, that's it. And then, you know, when I've been, when I haven't been able to sleep a few times lately, although I'll get to this later, um, but it has been getting a lot better. But when I wasn't able to sleep for a while, I would, try to put myself back to sleep by reading mm-hmm. in bed. And the nice thing about having a Kindle, I know people have mixed feelings about eBooks, but the nice thing about having a Kindle is that I don't have to turn on the light. I don't have to have a reading light. My husband can stay asleep. Yes. I can just, you know, turn on my Kindle, have it on low light and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, like, this past weekend, I just like laid on the couch and read for a couple hours. Oh, that sounds amazing. I mean, I also don't have kids. So yeah, like, but when my kids are watching The Greatest Showman for the 50th time, I could use that time to read a book. Yeah, you could. So, you know. Or I'll go in my office and just, you know, put my feet up on the, on my poof. <laughs> just read. <laughs> on your poof. Yeah. Well, like I sit on my couch, I put my feet up on the poof. I think what's what I take away from hearing you talk about reading in this way is like you prioritize it though. Like it's it's valuable I, to you. We've talked about this as yes. a self care ritual. It's I love reading. I love reading. <laughs> I'm like a public service announcement right now. <laughs> um, like I would rather read than watch TV. If I'm being like perfectly honest, I'm just staring at you because when I read, I get fully into that mm-hmm. world. I'm not. I can't be on my phone and read. Yeah. And you can be on your phone and, and you watch can TV. be on your phone yeah. and watch TV. Hmm. And I just, you know, I, I, I've known how to read since before I can even remember. It's just always been like a part of me and something that I love. And so, yeah. And I think especially lately where it's been a super high stress time, there's something about these series and the fact that there are so many books yeah. that, I've just like, it's been really soothing for me mm. to just know that there's another one coming. I lo- it's such a comforting <laughs> feeling. Yeah. And, but also sad when you're nearing the end. I mean, book 12 is the last poll. Oh, it book. is? Yeah. Now the author wrote like 50 books. 
So I might see what else is happening. Okay. But I also feel like I don't need to read his other books. Um, I might move on. Do you have another series, series that you're kind of eyeing? I do. What you know, it? a lot of people sent me cozy mystery suggestions. We got so many. We got so many. So I am about, I'm going to start um, the Louise Penny books. <gasps> a listener suggested that. Several listeners suggested that. Oh, cool. Um, also last night at the event I was at, I met this writer, this guy who's friends with um, my friend whose book we were talking about. Um, and he, I only sort of know him on social media and I knew he was sort of like a literary writer and he writes book reviews. And he was like, but you know, I also write cozy mysteries. <laughs> and I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I've written like 12 cozy mysteries. And then I was Wait, like, did he literally say cozy? mysteries?" Yes. He said cozy mysteries. <laughs> that needs to be a t-shirt. And I said, oh, that's so well, I was like, I made my book club read Maisie Dobbs. And he was like, oh, Jackie and I are friends. And I was like, <gasps> what? Can we interview the author of Maisie Dobbs? Probably. I'll just, I'll ask Charlie to introduce us. Oh my God. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel like there is no shortage in the world of of cozy mysteries and you know there's also i i could i i I read a sample of this trilogy about eleanor of aquitaine i mean you know there's like a lot going on okay (laughs) dory people are urging you to write a cozy mystery you know that that heat is on i know that that heat is on um by people i specifically mean kate spencer (laughs) someone i know someone else brought this Uh, a listener brought it up a listener brought up you know it's not it's not like totally outside the realm of possibilities i'm just gonna say um she lives in like a snuggly town off the coast of maine oh yeah coast of maine mystery coast of maine mystery she gets involved with a lobsterman oh my god yes he's got kind of a mysterious past yeah of course he's got rough rough big hands but he's really handsome he's definitely handsome he's very thoughtful mm-hmm well, that's all. Okay. I don't know what the mystery is, but I'm into the sex relationship. <laughs> I mean, why isn't there a sexy mystery genre? I think there is. Really? There has to be. As a reader of romance, I will find out if there's a sexy mystery genre. Okay. I don't want to write write like erotic mysteries. I just want to clarify. I'm going to write the erotic fan fiction to your cozy mystery. There we go. There's going to be so much lobster man and mystery solving woman as long as there's not lobster human sex i think i'm good i don't do that that's alternative universe all right good no shape-shifting no 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 (laughs) not in this and another fanfic maybe okay wow we've gotten gotten (sighs) off gotten off tops well what are you gonna do all right (laughs) should we take a break let's take a quick break one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings, there's nights out, it's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. 
Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. The Super Power Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that my, thing every day. I do too. Uh, it's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get okay, into it. Do you want to tell me why? No, no. I was just <laughs> going to say like, I, I, I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh, God, like get this off of me. No, thank <laughs> once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie also from Quince. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic. Whether it's winter or or summer, they've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast 
But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes, Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. So, hi, Kate. <laughs> hi again. Hello again. Hello again. Um, what else has been going on with you this week? I feel like so many things. I made a long list of just what's happening in my life. A couple things. Product-wise, Dory? Yeah. I recently tried the Supergoop Sun-Defying Sunscreen Oil, and I love it. Yeah? It's the product I've been searching for. Go on. Okay. Well, look, we live in, obviously, Southern California where it's sunny all the time, and I'm trying to be as vigilant as possible about protecting my skin besides my face. I feel like so Mm -hmm. often we think about our face in terms of moisturizing and care and sunscreen. And then it's like, well, here are all these, this other exposed skin. Yeah. But, and I have tried moisturizers with SPF, but I have found them kind of too thick, a little too greasy. Now, is this the sunscreen that we got when we went to the wing Uh, retreat? Huh? Okay. We got a big ass bottle of it. Yeah. And I have been using it daily and it's like a nice light moisturizer for my skin and it's 50 SPF. Ooh. Yeah. So I just am trying to be really vigilant about one. I've been getting better about moisturizing after a shower because I get very dry. I get like, there was like an old Lubridum commercial in the nineties with like an alligator and a naked woman. And do you remember that? (laughs) No, but I love that it made such an impact on you. Oh, it did. I'm the alligator. And um, I've been trying to moisturize my skin and just kind of take, I've been washing my legs in the shower. Mm -hmm. Just I'm making some changes, just Mm -hmm. trying that out. Into it. Um, Because we did many, many moons ago, declare ourselves not leg washers. That's true. Um, 
So I've been playing around with just like noticing that I have skin on other places of my body besides my head. Love it. And I like that. I like that sunscreen oil. I didn't think I was going to want an oil, a sunscreen and an oil. Right. You don't think that sounds counterintuitive, but I really like it. The other thing is that, Dory, I brought my oracle cards Mm -hmm. because I've been trying to kind of implement a little daily morning ritual and I've been using them not every morning, but I really like pulling a card from my oracle deck. I love that. What what does it... What does it do for you? What, how does it serve you? Well, here's what I do. I sit down, I light a candle, I take some deep breaths, and I just think about kind of open up my brain to what I want the day to be. Okay. And then I pull a card and I look at it and then I just read. There's a little booklet that comes with it and I read what it says. And I kind of think about it in terms of like, what do I need? Like, where am I? And yesterday I got one that really spoke to me. Okay. It was all about self love. Mm-hmm. Um, hold on. I'm going to pull up the in the thing. I took a photo of it, even though I have the deck with me. It was called self love, tenderness and care. And it said, take time for you and your well being. Self care is a vital component at this time to maintaining your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. Treating yourself with kindness extends to how you speak to you on a daily and personal basis. Have you been too self effacing? Do you have a harsh inner critic? So it just goes on and on. I feel like this has been a big theme for it you has. lately. I was, it was, it was so cool because I was like, oh, this card is really speaking to something that I'm going through yeah. in my life. And that I kind of, for the whole day, I was just thinking about like, how can I be gentle to myself in this situation? Like I was frustrated because I went to bed late last night. I saw a movie and went out for dinner with some friends. And then I came home and did some work and cleaned up. I was like, I know I'm going to go to bed late rather than getting anxious about it. Like, let's just figure out how tomorrow to like mitigate, like make things a little easier knowing I'm going to be tired. And it kind of worked. So I really have enjoyed this practice of pulling a card. I haven't done one yet today. Okay. Um, But the the deck is called Nature Nurture and it's by an artist named Marcella Kroll, who also did all the art in the cards. That's so great. Yeah. And I know, you know, I, I have been thinking about implementing a more like kind of a centering, I wouldn't call it a spiritual practice every day, but like a centering practice, mm-hmm. meditating for a couple minutes, like just taking, like having five minutes of kind of quiet reflection. When I do it, it feels really great. I just don't do it regularly. So that's something that was really t- poignant for me yesterday. I love that. Should I pull a card? Yeah. Why don't you pull okay. a card? You want to watch my routine? I'll take the little book out. I pull all my cards over. Then I'm always, the other thing is sometimes I go into it with an expectation. Like mm. I'm today I'm, I have a lot of work. Like I'm going to get the like success card. And then it was like, no, slow down. I'm like, okay. So I just kind of, <laughs> I kind of spread the cards out. Okay. And then I just kind of like take some deep breaths and let myself like meander. I'm feeling like I'm going to go over here. Oh shit, Dory. What'd I you get? Death card. Oh, <laughs> what does that, that mean? Maybe it's positive. All done. I feel like sometimes they frame death as like rebirth. Like you oh. have to kill something in order to This you know, is actually move really on. beautiful. The oh. end, morning, grief, and rebirth. What did I just say? <sighs> no, you are my personal <laughs> oracle. Because there comes a time where all things must end. We can let things go willing we can let things go willingly or willingly. I don't know what that means. Well, this can bring a sadness or a sense of loss. The death of a relationship, job, former identity, or an idea is also the signal of a new beginning. When we give death dignity, we can give grace to the new beginnings. 
So celebrate and give reverence to death because, because without it, there is no birth or new beginning. Oh, well, you know, it speaks to me. So there we go. That's what I do every day. I have a little moment. I pull one of these cards and I kind of just think about what it says and, and how it might reflect on my life. And then I go about my day. And can you tell... Oh, sorry. You already said Marcella Kroll. Why did you choose this deck? I was at my favorite crystal haunt in Los Angeles, Spellbound Sky. And I just was, they had these open and I just was kind of drawn to them. And as we were talking, an Oracle deck, sometimes people say with a tarot deck, Mm -hmm. it's good luck to have it be gifted to you. Mm -hmm. I don't think the same applies for an Oracle deck. I don't know, but I definitely bought this for myself. So I first encountered an Oracle deck once I was on a plane and there's a woman sitting next to me who was this like young woman from Australia. And she had an Oracle deck that she was just, she was just doing it like the whole flight. Um, I seem to remember it had like dolphins. There's something sort of like aquatic about it. And I asked her what she was doing and she kind of explained the whole thing to me. And I was like, that's so interesting. And then I went out and bought an Oracle deck after that. I bought the goddess Oracle. Yours is beautiful. It's got like chakras. Thank you. A rainbow chakra person. Um, but I haven't used it in a long time. So you're making me think maybe I should just start up again. When you were using it, was it like a thing you did daily? I honestly don't remember. Hmm. I feel like I don't, I don't think I ever had it as like a daily practice. Um, but yeah. And then it sort of got supplanted by tarot, but I think it would be interesting to go back to doing an Oracle card. Pull a card. Um, I mean, I think the thing that is nice about all of these is it's just sort of another way to allow yourself to examine your life. I, that's a perfect way of putting it. I'm curious because one thing that we have talked about off the air is um, that you've kind of taken a break on your more intense exercising. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I, I find when I have to do that, it, it really it's depressing, but I wonder if replacing it with another practice might be yeah. interesting, not, uh, not supplement it, but just might help you feel a little bit better about the fact that you are not Broadway dancing. Right. So, um, my doctor told me that I can't exercise right now because of pregnancy stuff. And so I was actually, I had been thinking about this and I think I'm going to, I, I've I haven't been playing the piano in a long time, Dory. So I think I'm gonna such just a good... yeah. So I think I'm gonna go back to actually like practicing and and playing the piano. Um, so you know maybe the oracle will become part of that, but I think the piano will be like kind of the actual practice. Yeah, that was such a big. You were so inspired. I was so inspired. Piano. Um, and I and I do really enjoy playing it. So, but it just sort of like fell by the wayside. Well, you've been busy with your 12 Poldark books. I've been so busy with Ross Poldark. <laughs> oh, he has a first name? Yeah, of course. I just kind of assumed he was like Cher. <laughs> I don't know. Just <laughs> I don't know what I thought. I thought maybe Poldark was his first name? No, his no. His name's Ross? His name is Ross. Oh my God. I kind of just like knowing him as Poldark. You can know him however you want. <laughs> okay, <Kate>. fair. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the, the not being able to do exercise is kind of a bummer. That's a real bummer. And I know it's like all for good reasons, but it's still like, uh. yeah. So especially because I kind of just gotten back into Broadway dance and I was so excited because 
you, you know, when you're pregnant, you're not supposed to be doing high impact aerobics, but with Broadway dance, like he always has low impact options for everything. So I went to a class, I did all the low impact stuff. I was like Mm. feeling good. And then like two days later, my doctor's like, yeah, you can't be exercising. (laughs) So that was great. Um, but you know, maybe I'll just get right back into piano. You could play Broadway dance tunes on your piano. You know, I did download the sheet. I think I told you this. I downloaded the sheet music to Wig in a Box. <laughs> from oh, Hedwig and the Angry it's such Inch. such a great song. I love um, Hedwig. We've never danced to it. At oh, least I've never danced to it at Broadway fun. Dance Class, but it is a great song. Um, and not super hard to play on the piano. Could you, you, you still can like walk or walk on the treadmill. Would you ever yeah. like listen to the Broadway tunes that you're really feeling and walk? Kind of like power walk dance your way down the street? I mean, I have a playlist. Well, I have a Broadway playlist. Have you ever power walked to it? I think I have. Um, I know it's not the same as like, yeah. And also like, I don't even think I can really, I'm not even, I don't think I'm even supposed to power walk. I think I'm really just supposed to like stroll. So yeah, it's kind of a bummer, but hopefully it won't be forever. Anyway, on that note, we're going to take another quick break. Our guest today is Aaron Gibson. Aaron, welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks oh, for man. being We're here. We're pumped you're here. I'm going to read a quick bio. Emmy-nominated Aaron Gibson is one half of the Throwing Shade Empire. Let's call it what it is. It's an <laughs> empire, which includes an award-winning podcast, a live touring show, and the Funny or Die web series, as well as a TV land late night show. She Canceled. Did, <laughs> you know, but it exists. You know what? We got a cha- We got a shot and we did it. That's, that's like more than most of us will ever get. I, yeah, like it's, it's a, a huge accomplishment. It's an accomplishment. Yeah. yeah. Hold on. There's more. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> please go on. Erin uh, developed her social commentary chops as the host of Modern Lady and sharpened them writing and directing political sketches for Funny or Die. She also created the long running, running Emmy nominated Gay of Thrones starring your real life hairstylist, Jonathan Van Ness. Mm-hmm. Did not know real life hairstylist. Oh, yeah. Oh, very cool. And Feminasty is her new book. And it's her debut book of comedic essays. And it is comedic. It is really funny. I laugh. But also um, has a fucking point. Oh, yeah. And a point of view. Yes. Thanks. Point of view that I really enjoyed. And I learned a lot. And it made me now want to go through my entire makeup bin. And Shocking, right? Yeah. That yeah. was... Should we jump right to well, talking about this first I was, chapter? I was hoping Aaron could just talk a little bit about how this book came about. Like and why you door. wrote it. And then we can get to fair some makeup stuff. Great. So I wanted to write a book because I didn't know how much work it was. <laughs> and We've all so, been there. <laughs> We're <a> good company. <laughs> so I, I wrote a treatment that was essentially like, listen, all my sex stories. They aren't they fun? Because I talk every week on throwing shade about very sad women's issues. And I try to make them funny. And I wanted to write something else. I wanted to break from that. So I was pitching this other book around town. And then my editor, Suzanne, who the woman who ended up being my editor, said, I don't want to buy that book. That book is not interesting to me. I want you to write a book about what you already do on the podcast. So I would be lying if I said this book was my idea. Although when she suggested it, I was like, oh, what an easier route because I already have all the research. Yeah, totally. Because I've been doing this for seven years. So why not just see what the trends are, what I've been talking about on the show for the last, you know, nearly decade, and then interject some personal experience 
into those, um, those trends and, uh, trying to make an entertaining book about some things I think are under talked about as far as how women are marginalized. And for people who might not be familiar with throwing shade, can you just talk a little bit about what you talk about on the show? Sure. So I do that show with my co performing partner, writer, host. Yeah. Yeah. We do a lot together, but he talks about LGBTQ issues. I talk about women's issues. We try to make them funny. And the overarching theme is everything on our show is essentially talking about everyone's fear of the feminine. So they Mm -hmm. all kind of fit into that nice little neat little basket of sadness. (sighs) And we try to make them palatable for people who might not necessarily be interested in or aware of what's happening to them regarding the way that they're paid or treated Mm. or, you know, um, treated by doctors at the hospital, treated by their employers, treated by other, you know, coworkers, everyday transactions that you might not, that you might get that little thing in your stomach where you're like, this feels weird, but I don't know why. And then you can now identify it and go, oh, it's because I'm a woman and they don't trust me to tell them what's wrong with my body. So that's why we're going down this route of 75 million doctor appointments because no one's listening to me. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah. So Aaron's book is a collection of essays on various themes ranging from Mike Pence to (laughs) the beauty industry to herpes. Yep. Anything that maybe um, is a little bit difficult to talk about in a funny way. You talk about it in a very open and funny way. Yeah. It's, yeah, it felt it felt very comforting to me, just be like, oh, we can say we can say this. Mm-hmm. You can say, giving permission to actually have these conversations. Yeah, I also love that you like name names. Yeah, like you go there. Yeah, I was like, okay, <laughs> I was I was ready to rally against some people because I think that it's a political and personal attack on me when you try to take a, a take away the rights of a group of people, and so if it affects me, then you're my enemy. Period. End yeah. of story. Yeah. To it. Um, so let's talk about the beauty industry. Okay. Yes. Because you have a whole chapter in your book detailing how you started to realize that all the makeup products you were purchasing, men were at the top of these companies and were actually profiting. So I was wondering if you could just take us through that experience. What was the the moment where you st- decided to do a deep dive? And then what has that purge and changing of your products entailed? Well, I wasn't really aware of it until I was... I'm obsessed with NARS, or I was obsessed with NARS. I love their colors. Their lipsticks are the fucking best. They're the best. They're yeah. the best lipsticks and love they stay that. on. They don't bleed. Orgasm blush. Yes. All they're super pigmented, but not like overly crazy. And I was staring at this color that I, that I love train blue. It's a very dark. It's like a goth color. It's a bold color. I've got a thin lip and I dare to wear it. So <laughs> deal with it. Okay. You know what? <laughs> That's what no we're up about. Yeah. <laughs> I, anyway, I just had this, I was in the airport and I just thought, wait. I always think so critically about everything that goes, you know, who's making my food? Where does my food come from? But I don't even think for one second about what's going on my face. And Mm. I spend a lot of money on cosmetics and face care and all this, all the beauty stuff. I'm from Texas. I recognize as a feminist that it's a tool of the patriarchy. And yet 
I will never stop wearing makeup. It's fun. Yeah. I love it. You also say that in your book. It's fun and you, it's satisfying. It feels it's, good. Feels like art to me. Yeah. Totally. So I realized I just Googled who owns NARS and I went down this rabbit hole of umbrella companies and getting down to the bottom of, well, but who's, a, who's in charge of, but who's in charge of NARS and then who's on the board of that and then who owns that and then who's at the top of that. And when I started looking at the big cosmetic companies, they own almost everything and the people running them are men. And I don't like the idea of giving thousands of dollars to a person who probably can't tell the difference between contour and concealer. Oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. also can't tell the difference between contour and concealer, but... Uh, but you don't run NARS. I don't. Regrettably, I don't run NARS. <laughs> don't I you wish feel I like it should be... It should be a closed monetary system between women. I, I think it's really an, a really interesting point. Or women and gay men. I mean, anybody who's legitimately interested in that industry, that's who I want to give money to. I also found out that a lot of the big companies, the regulatory committee that governs safety practices for the cosmetic industry is run by the big cosmetic industry. Titans. Oh. Hmm. So they're regulating themselves. I would like to think if women were in charge, they probably would do more, be more diligent about what cancer causing thing is going into your, you know, tinted moisturizer. And because they're using the product. Yeah. They're using the product and their sisters are using the product and their mothers are using the product and their daughters are using the product. I would like to think that would be the case. And I just don't think that's happening. So I got really mad. I dumped all my makeup in the garbage. Was it which like was a really hard. poetic moment where you literally just took everything and threw it out? I threw it all in the garbage. And I was bummed. Yeah. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Thankfully, a lot of it was sort of old. Good. But, but as you should. You yeah. use it all. Yeah. you. I want to use it all. So I threw everything in the garbage and I just started researching well, now how do, who, who do I replace this with? Yeah. Because I want to replace it with female-run companies. And it's really hard to find out who that is. Because a lot of these companies, they might have like a female at the face or a female mm. founder, but then maybe Unilever came in and has now owns 49%. Oh. Or um, they're, they're backed by a venture capital firm, which we all know there's very few female-run venture capital firms. So it, I had to really do a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of research. And not everybody has time to do that. Well, we're very grateful that you did it and wrote about it for us. So we can just <laughs> read the chapter in your book. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Were you also kind of reconsidering the at the same time, like the ingredients and other principles behind the products, like whether or not it was cruelty-free, vegan, that sort of thing? Was that also kind of coming into consideration for you? Yeah, but you know what's amazing? All the female-run businesses that I found, they were all cruelty-free, and most of oh, them were wow. vegan. That's fascinating. And if they weren't vegan, they were transparent about what animal products were used. I thought that was really telling. That's really telling. Yeah. Did you do the same thing with other beauty products? Or skincare? Yes. Dumped all my skincare right in the garbage. Oh, my gosh. Now, one thing I was bummed about is the facial place that I go to in L.A., I found out was owned by is owned by Unilever. Oh my god! And one of the things that would what? bum me out about it, yeah, one of the things that bum me out about it is that their products are not as good now. 
And that's what happens. Oh. So it's not just like, oh, women aren't in charge. It's also when these big companies get their hands on these these brands that have been built up by women and women have put their heart and soul into these cosmetics. And then the big companies, the big, you know, big five come along and start getting their dabbling their fingers in it. Not the phrase that they start diluting the product, making it cheaper to, to produce and making it not good. The trade-off being, I think a lot of women are, Selling their selling to these big companies so that more people can have access to their product, but they're giving away control, and that's what's happening. Their yeah, product is a, getting messed up. It's a catch twenty two almost. Yeah. And you mention Kylie Jenner as one of the like a women owned makeup company, and and you there's like a little moment in that that chapter where you like re- <laughs> make a plea to Kim and Kylie not to sell the company because it'll probably go to one of these larger organizations. Oh yeah, Chris Jenner was straight up. It, she said, if one of them comes and wants to buy us, we were, we are selling. Chris, come on. I know. Also, the, the company that manufactures the Kylie stuff, um, after I read your chapter, I was like, let me Google this. <laughs> Deep dive. Uh, well, they're owned and run by brother and sister. Yes. So that was another thing. So then I started looking at, well, where do I draw the line? Right. Right. If it's a woman whose dad gave her seed money, to start this company and she's doing an amazing job and she's helping other female businesses. Do I, is that part of my new, uh, you know, world of who I'm supporting? I decided yes, because it is a very difficult industry to get into. It's super competitive. And as long as the, as long as there's a woman running it and there's a woman doing, you know, what I would consider pro woman, uh, cosmetics and ethics and, you know, marketing and, uh, ingredients, then I'm down. Then I'm down for that. Well, I think too, you're also suggesting not that everybody do exactly what you did, but like a deeper examination of our value systems when it comes to the things that we're spending money on, that we're investing in, that we're putting on our bodies and everybody's going to have their own, um, own line that they draw for how they want, how they want to invest their money, what they can spend, where they want it to go, that sort of thing. But I think it's, I think just the suggestion of develop a value system. Yeah. I don't know if I have one. I know. Because I mentioned in the book, like, I love Lalabo. This was, I, this really stressed me out. I'm not going to stop wearing Lalabo because I feel like at the end of the day, if you have one or two things that you're that you're spending money on that's going to a male run company. Fine. But as long as you're aware of it and you know, okay, like you're like, okay, I'm going to decide between getting a concealer from NARS and RMS. Well, RMS is female owned. So, and they make a great concealer. So I'm going to buy that. I'm going to make that one of the deciding factors mm-hmm. of how I'm going to spend my money. And at the end of the day, I'm going to go to the Lavo and I'm going to buy London Every year, and I'm going to douse my body in it. And who is um, Lalabo owned by again? They're owned by um, a larger They're owned corporation. by Estee Lauder. Yeah. That was it. Who you make the point owns literally everything. Everything. L'Oreal, Louis Vuitton, Hennessy, Monet, Moet, 17,000, that, that conglomerate. The guy who owns that is the richest person in France. God damn He's it. married to Salma Hayek. Oh, he's that guy? Hayek, 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 Hayek yeah. Hayek. <laughs> I the, the other thing that the Lalabo um, specific Lalabo is a fragrance company. Um, I own one of their perfumes that I love. Santal. 
No, I do like Santal. I own a Te Noir. Oh, yeah. Oh, that one's so good. I think that's the perfect gender neutral it's so scent of theirs. It's good. And, and I also was kind of under the guise that it was like this niche kind like of indie. Brand. Yeah. Like yeah. I, when, I, when I was reading your book and it's like, oh, and it's owned by Estee Lauder. I was like, wait, what? No. I thought I had discovered a cool thing that wasn't touched by like, you know, large scale corporate and obviously everything on my body is touched by large scale corporations. I'm not naive in that regard. But you know, when you think you have it and then, mm-hmm. then it's like jokes on you. My first inkling that they were owned by a conglomerate was every time I go into the Labo, there's three or four salespeople and there's a nobody in the store. <laughs> I don't know how you can afford That's to do the that. Tell. That's a good point. <laughs> they also charge for their samples, which is ridiculous. They do charge oh. for their samples. I know. It's kind of a bummer. That makes no sense to me. Anyway. <sighs> well, we should send you to France to run that company. I Yeah. Or New York. Or New York. <laughs> I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know where. And you're, and they're, it's so complicated because mm-hmm. you don't know where the lines are. Like I talk about Fenty. Fenty's owned technically by this company, Kendo, and they've, least they've Rihanna's the face of it and she has a lot of power but I don't I can't I couldn't tell like who's getting the money right yeah you want Rihanna to get your money I want Rihanna to be the richest person in the world and the other challenging thing is like well what is Fenty offering they have like an amazingly large and diverse color palette for their products right so they offer things that other makeup brands aren't offering that's really great but then you're right it's like well who's Kendo Right. I, w- right. I was running into this when I started trying to buy like mostly ethical and sustainable clothing because it's it, like a lot of those lines aren't size inclusive, you know? So that is yeah, like, that's a, that's what, a... like, where do you kind of, where do you make that decision? Like, it, is it better to buy something from a line that's size inclusive, but is like owned by, you know, a larger corporation that might not have ethical practices? Or do you buy the thing that only, you know, serves women who are up to like size 10? You know, it's like, just like, nah, mostly not women. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, there's, I don't know. I've, I struggle with this. Yeah. I don't think anybody has it solved. Yeah. Well, one of the points I make in the book, which is a larger point is you don't have to solve these problems. Mm. You just have to be aware. Yeah. And if you have the option to buy something that's like in, in in your case, like ethical and size inclusive, then you're like, oh, great. This happened. Totally. Because I was aware of it. You're not just blindly going through, you know, it's just in, always in the back of your mind. Well, I think I th- that should, you should get a lot of credit for that. Yeah. And I mean, I think what you're also saying that is like easy to forget is like consumers do have power and we can kind of, you know, the, the choices that we make with where we spend our money like do make a difference. So I think that is something that's really powerful that I don't think about enough. And I don't think that money is the only currency you have. I think mm-hmm. your time, what you choose mm-hmm. to talk about, the shows you choose to watch, that's all currency to me. Yeah. Can I ask you, because you do such a good job of in in this specific chapter, listing the products that you switched to. Oh, yeah. And you also have told us that you're an oil cleansing fanatic. Can you give us some of these products that you've discovered that you love both for their quality and also um, some of the values they represent? I My favorite story of all the products that I found is Marie Veronique. I don't know if you're familiar no, with her. No, I'm not. Okay. So she was a high school science teacher, got out of that biz... <laughs> Got to get out of that biz. Started doing face care, which I think is just 
I, if you, if you can go from any, let me say that again. The easiest thing to do in my mind is to go from being a high school science teacher into the cosmetics industry. You're ready for the ruthlessness. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> You've <prepared laughs> dealt with hell. So she's a chemist. She, all of her stuff is natural. It's just super pure. It's so pure that the oil cleanser that I use, you have to shake it every time because it, it's not, there's no chemicals in there to make it like coagulate. Oh, wow. It's really feels really natural. And her daughter's also a chemist. So sometimes they collaborate together on stuff and everything. Sometimes with oils, cleansing oils and moisturizing oils, they don't smell good to me. And these smell fantastic. Mm. And they're so, they're just perfect. They're really good. They're too expensive, but not that as makes- expensive as like, they're not La Mer expensive. Which La Mer is again owned by a conglomerate, yeah. as I discovered in your book. Okay. Oh, yes, yeah, I know. They're my favorite um, as far as cleansers, and I pretty much use their whole line. Wow. Now wow. all skincare, okay. mm-hmm. all their skincare. I haven't found a good exfoliator, okay. exfoliant that's all natural. Not yet. I'm working on it. Okay. I'm working on that. I'm still using Kate Somerville. <laughs> But that's, I, I like how you are honest about the fact that like it's an imperfect practice, right? Like you're not going to have, you know, yeah, 100% of everything. And that's fine for your health. It's fine for your soul. Okay, Kate, I'm getting, on, <laughs> getting a little hyper. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it, and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad, they're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm, okay, which is okay, I know. Which is visible on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, Mm. refreshed, They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting-edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here Mm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. OneSkin believes the purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 
at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code over 50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am wondering, mm-hmm. what are some of your other self-care rituals or mm. practices? Oh, yeah. Okay. I am a big yoga person. Oh. And I haven't been able to do it in the last month. And I can feel the difference in my back. Mm. Well, you all sit a lot. Mm-hmm. Right or sit. And back problems are my number one uh, enemy right now. I'm trying to eradicate that. Do you feel it in your hamstrings too? I find that that's where, like, that's the first place where it's like, oh, you haven't done yoga in a while. Yeah. (laughs) You can't touch, you can't touch the ground. Yeah. (laughs) Do you, is it also, um, is there a mental health aspect of yoga for you too? Like, is it calming? Is it mentally useful? I am able to handle way more stress Mm. when I've been in there. I need to have that I have to go to an hour and a half class. An hour doesn't do it for me. I need the first 30 minutes to be me doing tornado thoughts before I stop. Wait, what is a tornado thought? Tornado thoughts is where like, you're like, oh, um, I, oh, you know, we need garbage bags and we also need olive oil. <laughs> Did I send that email? <laughs> that. And you, it just, it's an oh anxiety God. that just sweeps up every single loose end that you have Ugh. and you just replay it in your mind like a broken record. So it needs, I need 30 minutes before that stops for me. That's why I need an hour class. Did you coin that hour term? Tornado? I don't know. That's a tornado thoughts is mm-hmm. yeah. a brilliant description of that experience. It also can happen to you right before you fall asleep. Oh, every yeah, night. Oh, totally. Every night. It's your brain being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so yoga really helps. I also, I lift weights and I have since high school. Oh, wow. It's a weird thing growing up in Texas. I, well, I, okay. I, used to be the kind of lady who was like, I don't hang out with girls. I'm a, one of the guys. So because of that, I didn't have a lot of lady friends. And I also used to hang out with guys so much that I would just lift weights with them in high school. My senior year, I would just go into the room with some of my guys who were football players. I wasn't sleeping with them. We were all just friends and they taught me how to lift weights. And so then I just always did that. And um I love it. And I do, I work out heavy weights three times a week. And as you see, I'm not like a bulky bodybuilder type. I don't look like I do that. Cause you, you, unless you start, unless you take like, you know, roids or whatever, you won't look like if you don't look like Teresa Judice. <laughs> oh, Teresa. she's come up because she's a bikini she's a she's a bodybuilding competitor right um but kate has decided that she wants to get jacked yeah but i'm not lifting heavy weights three times a week well that's how you get jacked now do you go (laughs) and do that by yourself are you doing crossfit like what trainer practice okay and i go to him three times a week when i have the money to do that sure and then one time a week when i'm like when i'm like looking at looking at the old bottom line we were touching on before you got here on 
your chapter about herpes in your book. Oh, and yeah. I feel like, I feel like still talking about STDs culturally is not still, I don't want to say taboo, but it's not a conversation we're all having freely as we are maybe about other things that were once considered personal that are now more out in the open. We'll talk about self care. I mean, part of, for, for me, self care is understanding my body and understanding all the ways it can get damaged and sick and really understanding my period and knowing what that means. And so in the, in the spirit of that, I have a book or I have a chapter about how I got herpes, unfortunately, from uh, someone going down on me. And it was shocking because I didn't know it was, I thought I had a staph infection wow. from getting waxed. I had no idea what was happening because I didn't know you could get it that way. No. And we were wearing condoms. It was all safe sex except for that. And I, I was, I got super depressed because of it because I thought no one's going to ever want to have sex with me again. And I learned that wasn't the case and that a lot of people have herpes yeah. a lot, a lot, mm-hmm. a lot. And I would rather be the person out there in the world being honest about it than the people out there in the world who are not being honest about it and then shrugging their shoulders when they give it to somebody else. Yeah. I'm not participating in that lot, circle of lies. Yeah. How do you initiate uh, that conversation with a partner? Well, one thing I had to stop doing was having sex with people on the first date, which I didn't do all the time, but that was off the table for me Yeah, because you don't know anyone. You don't know that person that well. They can, it's really easy for them to hurt you. It's really easy for them to say something really callous because they're not connected or invested in you. And I didn't want to give anyone the chance to do that. So I would always wait till the third date. And then I would say, um, listen, you should know something. I have genital herpes. If you don't want to take this any further, I will absolutely understand and I just wanted to give you the opportunity to have this discussion with me. And everyone was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's amazing. Everyone was pretty cool. And if they weren't okay with it, they also handled that really well. Oh, interesting. I had one person who, shocking, I was a total sex addict, but he was like very into like being neat and clean and like he had like, he was living in two different parts of his personality yeah, at all times. Yeah. But he, he was super kind about it. He was, he just said, like, I thank you for telling me. Um, I'm weird about that stuff. And so I'm, we're probably not going to take this any further. And I was like, I totally get it. And it was, it's three dates. I'm not that invested. Totally. It didn't feel like hurtful, but I don't know. I mean, look, I've been in therapy for a long time. That certainly helped me to figure out what the diet, what the, the, script was going to be mm-hmm. between me and someone I was going to be intimate with from a place of not like desperation or hurt or damage, but just honesty. Yeah. Cause you know what? I really wish that the other, the person who had given me that he didn't really, he didn't know that he could do that, but I wish he had. And I wish that we had had the opportunity to have the conversation because I would have said no. Yeah. You would have done your own research. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. That's frustrating. In the, I think it's in the herpes chapter and then also in the chapter where you talk about having the BRCA gene. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a lot about doctors kind of not listening to women. Oh, yeah. And I was hoping we could talk a little bit about that. Well, I had one of the worst gynecologists in Los Angeles who also happens to be one of the top gynecologists in Los Angeles. And he was my first... He was so bad, it made me aware of... Ha- 
the varying degrees of awful that doctors can be Mm -hmm. when dealing with women. And I'm not saying that all doctors ignore women. I have fantastic OBGYN now. I have a fantastic, I have a cancer gynecologist. He's a man. He's not white. He's fantastic. So it's possible for doctors to be absolutely perfect and kind and do the right thing. But you trust this person so implicitly when you're there and you're so vulnerable because they know stuff that you don't know. Yeah. It's very easy to just think that they're right all the time. Mm -hmm. And when you start seeing, oh, well, there's stuff that they're not even learning in medical school about my body. So how can I trust their opinion and their intelligence and the advice they're giving me and what they think I should think I should do. The thing that bothered me the most was when I went to go get an IUD taken out, my doctor didn't want to do it. And it was stabbing me from the inside. Oh my God. For a month. Oh my God. And I had to scream at him in his doctor's office to remove it. I have since found out since I've been talking about this chapter to people I'm not the only woman who's had a problem with this guy. As a matter of fact, I've heard if you are pregnant and you're with this practice and you go to any of the, one of the other gynecologists, other women will say, make sure that this guy doesn't, isn't on the backup list. If your gynecologist isn't available because he makes inappropriate jokes, he's all around too casual and and it sounds like he's a horrible doctor. What was he's, the, why would he not take out your IUD? Did he not believe you that it was yes. hurting? Ugh. He said, t- sometimes it takes a while to settle in and, and you've never had one in your body. Yeah. Well, not to mention the fact that when he put it in, he punched the top of my uterus. No, 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 no. Because he had never done enough investigation to find out that I have a heart shaped uterus. So because he didn't know that when he put it in, he just thought it was flat on top, which it's not. And punched me right in the uterus. I passed out. Oh and he ran God. out of the room like a coward. And left the nurse practitioner in there. Jesus. Hey, I just... I. Yikes. But I, here's the thing. I went to that guy for six years. Right, right. Totally. Yeah, I've been there. Six years I let him treat me like that. Because I thought that was okay. Yeah. I didn't get to put this in the book. But, you know, there's this USC gynecologist who's was, you know, doing inappropriate things to women for 30 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the nurses were complaining about it for 30 years Mm -hmm. and nobody did anything. You just start to, you start getting very like, it can sound overwhelming because you're like, oh God, well, who can I trust? But the point is know that this is a possibility. So when you go into a doctor and they do something weird like this, leave. And if you can't leave because you're in a small town, absolutely have the number of your, of the medical, um, whatever regulatory committee that's, that's in your state and call and let them know. Because there needs to be a record of this kind of stuff. That's a good point because yeah. not everybody, I take for granted the fact that we live in a big city where if, if it, a doctor doesn't work out for you, you, there's plenty of options. Many people are not in that kind of situation. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and also then there's the, the added challenge of whether or not you have insurance and what kind of care you are actually able to receive and yeah. all that. Yeah, exactly. And even think, I was, I mean, it breaks my heart to think about like the women who were going to this OBGYN at USC who hadn't been to a gynecologist ever in their life. This was their first gynecologist. So they thought, oh, it's natural and normal for a gynecologist to take pictures of my genitals and then keep it in a box under his desk. You think about this stuff and you're just, and because we're not taught to be, we're not taught to be combative in those situations or 
critically assess, oh, do I feel, does this feel right to me? Does this feel okay? It's not something that women are necessarily raised to do. And being deferential to doctors, I mean, that's kind of how, I don't know, or trained, but that just feels like the natural status relationship is that you're always low status to a doctor. Mm-hmm. Well, and this year on tour, I'm talking about how women are treated in the delivery room mm-hmm. and that a lot of times we don't, t- people don't, women don't talk about it after the fact because you have this beautiful baby and you're happy to have this baby. And so it not erases what happens, but it can, you you think it's like worth it or I, I it just becomes a, part of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's so much going on. Yeah. You almost forget those experiences. That consent is necessary yeah. in those situations. And a lot of doulas are now on the front line protecting women from anywhere from minor to major inappropriate behavior. <sighs> anyway, that's a all topic. this to say, I'm sighing. I'm sighing only because I'm like reliving my births in my head as we're talking. <laughs> Did you have this. something like that? Like I had a very stressful first birth and a really positive second birth with my two. I have two daughters, uh, and I think a lot about what happened i didn't i what i it was i didn't ever feel listened to during the first one with numerous different things that happened um which i've talked about i think on a, a recent episode um but yeah and it's really it's it's also hard to know how to stand up for yourself when like you've never given birth before yeah i have no idea what's normal what should be happening so you're trusting people uh, and, and other times, you know, like I've also been experiences where I've had an incredible care from doctors and felt very seen and heard. So it's, it, it can be very confusing because you're used to having great care and then all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, what, what's going on? Yeah. And if you're black or Hispanic, it's 5,000 times worse. Yeah. Especially um, in, in death and in childbirth. Oh yeah. That's, color. yeah. That's why we have a low mortality, yeah. uh, maternal mortality rate because of how we treat women of color. When they're having babies. And you know, it just, I could go on a real deep, dark slide into how hypocritical this country is when we talk about how everyone claims to be pro life and how we treat mothers and children and women living below the poverty level. It's, it's, it's so hypocritical to me. But what I want to do, my goal with everything that I write about is to make sure women have the knowledge to protect themselves and to at the very least feel the permission to leave a situation or, you know, whatever that, that is. Are you a teenager and you're in an abstinence only program and you're being slut shamed? That's okay. If you don't want to, if you want to say, I don't want to participate in this, just giving women permission to question stuff and have a problem with things. As they say in the, my favorite murder podcast, fuck politeness. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think that's, very empowering for for women when we're most often trained to be deferential. I know totally. I was, and not and inadvertently trained. Not like right. anyone was like, "This is how you must behave." But well, yeah, so it's so subtle. It's a patriarchy. Speaking of, <laughs> can I play this voicemail from yes. a listener? Because I thought you might have an interesting question. I mean, excuse me, an interesting answer. So for every thirty-five, I literally just paused the podcast episode that you guys interview Angela Garbs. Because I just 
was raging listening to this. I feel like the patriarchy is this deep cancer that we don't even understand how much it affects our lives. And I think we're all beginning to sort of become clear about it, what it is. And I've had my own recent experiences just identifying like, gosh, this is something I don't even know how much it affects me. And thank you both for all the work that you do. And I wanted to ask a question about the haters and the naysayers, because I think that self-care is such a deeply feminine act of power. And I'm wondering how you respond to people who downplay its importance. Um, I feel like it's really easy to get angry these days. And I know that anger is not something that should necessarily be attached to a self-care act, but how do you put some boundaries about your deeply personal inner lives of taking care of yourself um, when someone tells you that it's not worthy and that it's a flippant act? I know it isn't, and all your listeners do too. So thank you and keep it up and fuck the part patriarchy. Damn it, I messed that up, but literally though, fuck that shit. <laughs> Let's, Let's smash it all. Okay, bye. So, we got that voicemail. And I was like, well, we have the perfect guest coming on to talk about this. I feel like the problem in and of itself is a manifestation of the patriarchy. You can't take care of yourself. You're not allowed time for yourself. You're selfish for taking this time. That is all the patriarchy saying women don't deserve that. If guys can sit and listen to, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think I'm searching right now for an ESPN show. I don't know any of the interruption. I I mean, that's a good one. Thanks. I barely got it. But if, (laughs) if, if, if it's okay for guys to sit there and listen to call in sports radio shows and then pull their car over and call in and talk about how mad they are about some play or whatever bullshit they want to spend their time on, then nobody should have a fucking problem with me going to get a facial. And by the way, when I go get a facial, it's one of the few times that I get to sit and not talk. Because I'm not trying to explain someone my experience or why I feel unheard or why I think that the care that I'm getting is not appropriate or not thorough enough. I'm exhausted trying to deal with the patriarchy. You have to have the strength to fight this stuff and see this stuff. And if you don't take uh, time for yourself, you're not going to be able to do it. I don't know what to say to people who don't understand that. They're to one of two things that could be if it's a woman totally internalized misogyny and they don't feel like they themselves are allowed to do that so that might be a nice time to be kind to that person and say listen have you ever thought of put it right back on them have you ever thought about just taking an hour and reading a book you should absolutely do that it feels wonderful it feels really nice and you should find a way to do that and if that means that your husband has to babysit your kids a term that I absolutely I know. cannot uh, I take hate that so much. But you, sometimes you have to plant the seed with other women that they deserve that. And if it's a guy saying it, you just turn around and walk away because <laughs> they don't deserve your time or your energy or your explanation. When they want to learn and figure it out, then they can come to you and get an explanation. But that is not your job to educate that person. Amen. <sighs> it makes me irate because don't I feel very guilty 
taking time for myself. And I know it's important. Well, and then I also feel guilty participating in practices that are established within the confines of patriarchy. So i.e. shaving my legs or like a or like makeup and cosmetics and skincare and any anti-aging product. Like it's all you have to question yourself and you can you can say like is if I'm participating in putting on an anti-aging oil on my face and I consider that my self-care, but then am I then contributing to a culture that like doesn't value women aging? I mean, yes and no. I don't I don't I don't have the answer. This is just the trap we're all in yeah. where we literally just can't do anything because no matter which way you go, you can't win. It's tough. It's tough. I think I was thinking about this the other day because I do a lot of, I put a lot of oil on my face all day long. Yeah. I'm putting oil on looks my face. great. Face looks Thanks. dope. Everything I, oh, you know who's great is Juice Beauty. Do you know Juice Beauty? I do. I've heard. Juice Beauty. Juice Beauty. She makes a good uh, tinted moisturizer. Yeah, there. skin is glowing. Full of oil. Mm-hmm. But they, but I have a husband who has never, ever told me, and he's never commented on my looks negatively. I used to date people who would say things like, oh, could you do your hair is kind of like crazy. Do you want to like tone it down? I have really crazy wavy hair and sometimes I wear it banshee style. And anytime anybody has ever said that to me, I never questioned. I was never like, I was like, oh, it's kind of a mean thing to say, but no, get rid of those people. If you have women in your life that do that to you, educate, try to educate them. And if they don't want to learn, get rid of them. You cannot help other people with their internalized misogyny or straight up misogyny. They have to help themselves. And what you need to do to protect yourself and to make sure that you're okay is to take that poison and get it out of your life as much as you can. Yes. Get the poison out. Yeah. Erin, <sighs> thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Was... I wasn't very funny, but I hope I was helpful. I feel like I've learned yeah, uh, like a college courses worth of things. Yeah. You've professored me very well. Um, yeah. So everyone should buy Aaron's book. Yeah. It's super funny it's and wonderful. You will learn a ton. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Aaron, where can our listeners find you if they want to track you down on the internet? Well, the I have. TVs? Oh, yeah. Feminasty.com is where you can get the book and see where I'm at for book tour. I'm about to leave for book tour. And then my handles are Giblertron. That's right. My last name if I was a robot. I didn't even get to talk about tech in this book. There's a lot of stuff I didn't That's get to talk gonna about. That's going to be in the next I book. I know. I'm going to be writing sad books with <laughs> dick jokes in them for <laughs> decades. Um, but I, but I, I want to just stress like it, I, I try to make the book as entertaining as I could to couch these really kind of overwhelming issues yeah. and make, make everything as intersectional as I, as I could. If you, there's stats about how, different different uh, women experience different things they're in there we appreciate it yeah thank you thank you thank so you. much erin <sighs> is a delight so cool so cool so smart and i was like why aren't we friends <laughs> now we are <laughs> she was like i gotta go <laughs> no that didn't happen no, you erin hugged us both she did invited us to her her book party okay fine you are now friends we are we're bffs <laughs> no that was really a really fun conversation dory um, yes tell me mm-hmm. how did it go figuring out what the fuck is going on with your sleep well i don't know that i figured out what was going on with my sleep but my sleep has gotten better 
All right. Since we last that counts. spoke. You figured something um, out. Yeah. So I don't know if it was just like early pregnancy side effects or anxiety over pregnancy or what? All of the above. All maybe? of the above. But I was, you know, I, as I talked about last week, I was waking up at like 4 a.m. every day, sometimes being able to fall back asleep. And sometimes not. Sometimes Russ Poldark was knocking on your door. Sometimes Russ Poldark was like, hey, girl. And I was like, hey. Um, it's Ross, by the way. Oh, was that Russ? <laughs> nope. Um, Sorry about that, Ross. That's okay. He's been dead for 200 years. Um, so I've been sleeping better. That's great. Um, I've also been... I mean, I, I already had been going to bed pretty early, but I've really just been trying to listen to my body and be like, okay, I'm tired. Yeah. Going to bed. Not to be a total creep, but I have noticed that you're going to bed earlier because your texts are stopping earlier. Yep. Is that weird that I'm like that in tune <laughs> no, with your rhythm? I get it. I mean, <laughs> I was texting the other night with my sister-in-law and all of a sudden I was like, wait, it's like almost midnight where she is. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> because that's like so late to me. Um, but no, I, I, I've really been making an effort to try to go to bed earlier. Also, I think I'm drinking less caffeine, um, which is probably good for my overall sleep, but I think also just makes me more tired. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm like, Oh, where's my coffee? But I also don't really want coffee as much, which is also weird. I'm like this embryo is like doing strange things to me. Oh, the embryo is going to help you quit caffeine. Mm, great. Thanks, embryo. <sighs> so, Kate, last week, your intention was purging. You wrote in Caps. all capital letters. Yeah, it's an ongoing purge. I had to kind of pause it because we got too busy or I got too busy. And now uh, the house looks like a half purged house. Oh, okay. Um, but I'm going to pick it up for the next couple of days. And then into the next week, I'm traveling with my kids this weekend, but um, I, I'm, I'm focused on it. I will say that my children have taken every stuffed animal in our home and in our like TV living room area, they've made it into what they're calling a petting zoo. Oh, so, like, that I sounds can't fun. Even... Can I visit? Oh yeah. It's so fun. You can't walk anywhere. <laughs> you can't sit on anything. If I try to suggest that we move everything, they get very worked up because this petting zoo really means a lot to them. So this kind of bleeds into my intention for next yeah, week. Let's talk about it. Is that it's, I'm like wanting to purge because it just feels like there is endless things, just so many fucking things. Mm -hmm. Um, and my intention for this week is what do I need to do to not be irritable with my kids? Question mark. So, mm -hmm. um, I'm trying, you know, I get irritable with my kids easily. Mm -hmm. I've talked about this a hundred times. If I don't sleep a lot, I, I get, gr I'm immediately grumpy or like I start my day late, then they're late. And so I'm, just trying to like slow down, remember that they're like two humans yeah. with their own wants and needs, Yeah, that they're doing their best. I'm doing my best, you know, letting them keep the petting zoo for a couple more days before All I right. start screaming about it. Um, but just trying to remember like what kind of, um, how do I want to treat them like respectfully and mm -hmm. calmly and what I need to do to make sure I can like stay calm and have fun with them. Uh, especially because my, my husband is traveling a ton for work over the next few months. So right. I'm going to be with them just by myself a lot, which, um, you know, 
he's my partner. So when I'm very fortunate to have him and when he's not around, I'm the one making the lunches every night and putting, yeah. the, you know, there's just a little bit more of that. So I'm with them that much more. So how do I maintain loving, gentle boundaries with mm -hmm. them? That's just what I'm thinking about. All right. Okay. You are doing what this week? What are you focusing well, on? Well, as I alluded to uh, a little bit ago, I, I just, I have to take it easy. You do. My doctor said to me, I'm not putting you on bed rest. Oh, gosh. But you have to take it easy. And I was like, okay, so if you're not putting me on bed rest, what does take it easy mean? And she was like, you can walk. And then Matt was like, can she do yoga? Can she go swimming? And the doctor was like, she can do the yoga where you just breathe. <laughs> I was well, like, you do like restorative yoga. I know, but I feel like even restorative yoga, she's like not going to be that no, into. Yeah, I think you really so, have to be still. I really just need to to relax, which, you know, I'm not that great at, especially because I feel like I use exercise as a way to, you know, make me feel better mentally. Totally. That's a real challenge. So it's kind gone. of a bummer. Um, so, yeah. So I guess some like long leisurely walks are in my future. Well, maybe some resting, some more reading. Yeah. Well, yeah All right. Maybe I'll reread the Poldarks. <laughs> JK. No, it is. It is hard when you have to slow down. Yeah, it's totally. Really hard. And so, a good practice. But, a good practice, oh, it's but all a practice. kind of annoying. Um, but anyway, I think that does it for this week. Let's say goodbye. Friends, if you want to call us and say hello, we are at 781-591-0390. You can leave us a voicemail or question. Um, and our email is forever35podcast at gmail.com. You can also join our Facebook group. It's facebook.com slash group slash forever35podcast. You can join the myriad spinoffs that the group has spawned. And if you enjoy this here podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend. And if you really like us, mention us on the social media platform of your choice. And just a reminder that all the products we mention are always on our website, forever35podcast.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at forever35podcast and on Twitter at forever35pod. And you know what? You can follow me on Instagram at Kate Spencer and Dory at at Dory. You can do that too. Please do. Please do. So on that note, Dory, Forever 35 is hosted and produced by Dory Shafrir and Kate Spencer and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.